Hey, I travel a lot for work. Right now, over in Europe at the British Grand Prix, covering the Formula One events, and I'm always jumping on to different Wi-Fi networks. And I like to make sure that my information is staying secure. So that's why I use a VPN. And first and foremost, you know, security is of the utmost importance, especially when connecting to unfamiliar networks. So private internet access ensures your online activities remain secure, even when you're on the move. By encrypting your internet connection, it prevents anyone from intercepting your data or eavesdropping on your online communications. This means you can browse with confidence and peace of mind. So if you want to enjoy all the benefits of private internet access, now's the time to subscribe. Head to piavpn.com slash nailing the apex and get an 83% discount. Seriously, 83%. That's just $2.03 a month. And you also get four extra months completely for free, but you must go to piavpn.com slash nailing the apex for a truly private digital life. One last time, that's piavpn.com slash nailing the apex. Get in on the action and make your bet with Sports Interaction. Summer is heating up with baseball. Can the Jays make a run at the division? Oh, <laughs> no. <Yeah. laughs> uh, hey, but you can bet before the game, whichever way you think, live and in play uh, in all your favorite teams and hot dog contests. Woo! Woo! Sportsinteraction.com slash STPN or download the app to get started. It's 19 plus. And what do you have to do, Steve? Please play responsibly. Welcome to Nailing the Apex, everyone. I'm Tim Haraney. Please head on over to Spotify. Give us a five-star rating and a follow. Same goes with Apple Podcasts as well. Rate and reviews. It really helps us grow the show. You can follow me on all forms of social media, including threads, at Tim Haraney. And also, you can watch us on YouTube as well. Uh, where do we begin with this one? British Grand Prix just uh, finishing. Well, when I'm taping this, it had been over for maybe five hours after I just got back to the Airbnb where I'm staying for the weekend. Um, really nice area for those of you who decide to visit the British Grand Prix next year, check out a nice little town called Woodstock. Uh, it's very lovely and I enjoyed it. In my stay here quite a bit. Um, maybe come back next year. Question mark. Boop, boop. But we'll see. Had a lot of fun. This was great. This was a great race to attend. I uh, have to have to tell you, you know, I've been to quite a few Formula One races and this one ranks right up there with Canada, Miami, um, Texas for sure. It, it was a lot of fun. Very busy. That's for sure. So if you if you are going to go, I do suggest camping and I see why fans come here and and camp and you should see the camping fields oh my god guys like the camping fields are ridiculous they go for miles and they're filled with these giant caravans and on top of the caravans have these huge flags like they're massive and i i don't really understand what the flags mean some of them um but yeah if uh, anyone listening to this just tweet at me and you can explain to me what some of these flags mean on top of the caravans because I totally don't get it. Um, but it's still cool. And the fans are awesome. Uh, it's funny, you know, you drive into the, 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 the track and you have to go through a bunch of roundabouts and stuff to, to park the car. And as you're going over these bridges that go over the track, there's just fans lined up on top of them 
um, in the morning. And when I say the morning, like I was getting there at around 8 a.m. So I was leaving uh, Woodstock around 7 a.m. almost every morning. And the fans were just lined up waiting for the drivers to arrive. And let me tell you, that's dedication, like serious dedication. These fans were very excited this weekend to say the least and also i would include fans waiting in the pouring rain no joke it is dumping down buckets of rain and there are hundreds of fans lined up just waiting to see if they can see a driver pretty spectacular i've I've never witnessed anything that hardcore before, but it was pretty cool. Because, uh, like, when you go to Canada, it's a, it's a different approach, right? Like, going across the one bridge in Canada is cool because it's lined up. But this is, like, a few bridges and long roads while you're getting into the racetrack and it's just packed with fans. And then once you get to, then once you get to the opening, so where, where you scan your hard card... So just to get into the paddock, like there's m- mobs of fans uh, literally hanging over the, the fences that are set up to, to just hold everybody back, uh, just screaming at the drivers, wanting autographs and stuff. And, you know, for the for the most part, you know, the drivers are really good. They they just go up and they sign uh, all the fans merchandise. They get their pictures taken with them. Uh, yeah. So really good atmosphere. I've really enjoyed the British Grand Prix. I enjoyed my time. The country's beautiful. I I had, you know, it, it's, I didn't know what to expect because I'd never been here for the British Grand Prix. And it was, it was a great time. Got to see downtown uh, London, London Central. Shout out to uh, Connor Bean at Williams for uh, setting that up for me and inviting me into, uh, into the uh, Williams pop-up shop down at uh, Piccadilly Circus. That was interesting. It was cool. Uh, Just so busy. I've never seen like downtown London and it was a good experience. I didn't drive down (laughs) to Piccadilly Circus because it was just way too busy uh, to to take the rental car down there. And I didn't want to risk it because, you know, pulling out of the Enterprise parking lot with the rental car, you know, it was already an eye-opening experience because I was driving on the opposite side of the car, opposite side of the road. And it took me like a little bit to adjust to that. And uh, a couple near misses, we'll just say that. Um, But outside of all that, yeah, check out the British Grand Prix next year. It's awesome. Let's get into the racing. Max Verstappen, easily winning. (laughs) Actually, when I say easy, I shouldn't say easily because it wasn't easy. He actually, he was challenged for pole. I will say that. He was challenged for pole position. Um, and I honestly, you know, you can see that the, the cars are starting to get more convergence faster. And that's what I was saying about these regulations. And I've been harping on it for months and telling people, Hey, relax. These teams are going to start closing up the field. And they are. It is. It's happening. You can, you can actually see it. The teams are now talking about it. Um, now, I mean, like whether anyone's going to, catch and pass Red Bull and the constructors and the driver standings. I mean, no, that's not going to happen. But can teams start soon challenging Red Bull for wins? Yes, I honestly, I think that can happen. Maybe not um, 
before the summer break, but I think once we get into September, I maybe even October, I think there are going to be teams that could challenge uh, Red Bull for wins because I think Red Bull is almost done upgrading this car. I think they're done um, with all of it, and I think they're just going to – well, they've already started working on next year's car, um, but I just don't think they're going to spend too much time investing too much more m- money or any money at all and resources – into into upgrading the powerful car that, that that they already have. It doesn't make sense. They already have such a huge lead in the championships that it doesn't it wouldn't go well for them. So yeah, focusing on next season's car, they're probably going to get a head start with that. Um, I have a feeling Mercedes is is already working on theirs at the same time. So I do I do also think some teams are working in tandem. I have a feeling some teams are working on next year's car and some teams are working on next year's car and this year's car at the same time. And I do think that is possible with the allotted wind tunnel and the reset. So uh, I, yeah, I, I think it is possible that a team can challenge Red Bull at some point during this season. It could be in Hungary. I mean, I think Hungary is going to be an interesting race, tight, twisty corners. That could be a track for a team like Aston Martin. Um, and yeah, that, that's what I think. You know, it was interesting, you know, sitting in on Verstappen's press conference and he was telling us a lot about the race itself, Lando Norris, how this whole thing wasn't that wasn't that easy. Verstappen had a lot of wheel spin coming off the line. And that's what cost him um that's what cost him the lead of the race and Lando just had better grip. He had better tire warm up. He had a better reaction to the lights, and that's what led to him taking over the, the lead of the the race. Um, I think one of the things that you know Max had mentioned was when you know Lando went by, and then he finally retook him. Like Verstappen finally got the lead back. You know, Max mentioned that after a few laps, he had thought that he had pulled away enough, but he was still so surprised to see that Lando was in his mirror still and was still quick. And he was, he was able to keep up. He was very surprised by that. He actually thought that he was going to be open, opening up a pretty big lead over, over Lando. And so, you know, that tells me if a team really nails the setup, nails the balance, the weather, the conditions, because weather has been playing a factor with these cars and tires this season. Uh, Same with temperatures. I mean, it happened last year as well. And years before that in the past, but this season in particular, the temperatures really look like they're affecting a lot of the, a lot of the tires and how the teams and the cars use the tire and in combine, in combination with, uh, the temperatures that are outside. And I think today that really favored McLaren in, in that regard. Um, and then also taking into consideration, you know, Pirelli did bring, uh, a new tire compound for this race weekend. When I say new tire compound, I actually mean like the construct of it, like the the way it's made. Um, and, and that, I think, has a lot to do with trying to help with the racing because the racing at the beginning of the season just wasn't very good because I don't think the tire was up to snuff. But that being said, is Pirelli has got a really tough job of trying to stay ahead of the teams and their development. And it kind of sounded like the tire that was brought for this weekend was, was pretty robust in terms of the hard, the medium and the softs. And I can get into that a little bit further in the podcast, but uh, I will say this, that tire uh, compound construction 
it looked like it worked because the racing was actually really good here at the British Grand Prix. This was a really good race. I really enjoyed it. Um, I think when we, you know, when we talk about this podium and, you know, Lando Norris and, you know, the job that <laughs> Lando's done, uh, pretty incredible. I mean, the car looked, the car was great in high speeds. Um, and they did a nice job of, of making the, uh, the hard tire work. The team did. Now you may be asking, well, you know, why did they come in and pit and pit Lando for the hard tire, the hard tires? So I heard from Andreas Stella following the race. Um, and he had mentioned that. So when the, the VSC had been deployed before the safety car. So they, they were already ready to receive Lando. They had the, the, the hard tires were out in pit lane and they were ready to take him. But as the safety car window opened up, that is when they started to, to run into some problems. And when they get so when the VSC was converted into the safety car when, when they were pitting, you know, everything was set for hard tires and, and they couldn't have done a last minute change over to softs because, you know, that would have been, and what's the word he used? It, he had said that, you know, and I'm paraphrasing because I don't know exact words he had said, but he had said something along the lines of them basically running back into the garages to get the softs to come back out would have been an operational disaster. And so that's why they ended up going with that hard tire compound. But at the end of the day, I think for that hard tire compared to the, the soft, even though there was a Delta between those two tires, it actually was only for a few laps because Lewis actually ended up cooking his soft tires and couldn't keep up with Lando where all Lando had to do was keep Lewis behind him for a few laps and in a few uh, sections of the racetrack, which Lando did. Like, that was a remarkable drive we saw from Lando Norris today. And um, in Lewis as well, coming from where he did. You know, Hamilton spoke a lot following the race about it. And, you know, he, he like, when he dropped back to around whatever it was, I think he fell back to around P8, P9, you know, Lewis had had told us that in that moment, he had to really settle himself down because he was very upset in the car. But he knew that being that upset wasn't going to get him any results and it was probably just going to hinder his performance. And and that right there is the mindset of a champion. That is mental toughness. Um, and to be a great racing driver, that is what you need because when you're in the race car and you run into those situations, trust me, I've been in them, you need to be able to flick the switch to uh, revert your thought processes so you can focus on the task at hand and attack uh, the race and the racetrack. And, you know, that's what Lewis did. And uh, very good drive from him as well. Um, safety car obviously helped him out, but, I mean, you have to be in that position and then capitalize on it, which is what happened. Jump back to McLaren for a second because, you know, if we take a look at their journey this season, okay, then go back to the winter. Go back to the winter time. This is a team that has lost 
Andres Seidel moved over to uh, Alfa Romeo Sauber. And Zach Brown then promotes Andres Stella up to team principal. And then we move on to car launch. And I'm on a Zoom call with Zach Brown, and he's telling us, we don't think the car is going to be very good to start the season. And I'm like, oh boy. You know, that's a tough one to hear if you're that team because they put a lot of work into making this car. And that's one of the things I really learned this week is just how hard these teams work at building these race cars. The number of hours that they put into making and building each component uh, I mean, we're talking 24-hour shit. Like, the factory never stops, baby. It is running all the time. And they have night crews coming in. They got You got folks working late through the night into the early morning trying to get this car competitive. And, and that goes all the way down the grid. But I digress. I think when you look at what Andrea Stella has, has done, you know, one of the things that really jumps out is the I can't remember what he called it, but it was a, there were three different areas that he essentially designed for the workflow. And they introduced a technical model. That's what he called it. He called it a technical model on the aerodynamic side, distributing the concepts and the performance on Three different areas, um, which is just a different way of working when we look at the way other teams work. That this is not how other teams really work. And I found it really fascinating because it really does look like it's it's working. The three, let's call them pillars, um, would be focused. Their focus would be on aero, aero development, performance and concept and focus on design. And those are the three pillars that were very important for them to um, have a workflow structure through. And now that we take a look at the the upgrades that they brought, they brought massive upgrades. They brought some suspension stuff for this weekend, brake cooling ducts, brake duct stuff, front wing stuff. They had a massive overhaul of this car a few races ago in Austria, <clears throat> I believe. And I, they have done such a good job at turning this car around because in Bahrain, this car was nowhere. It was dark days, dark, dark days down at McLaren when we were at Bahrain in March and in testing, preseason testing. That didn't even go well for them either. It, this is a huge turn for this team now granted there were some things that went in their favor today and temperatures were one of them and that's definitely you know something that andrea stella had pointed out in his um post-race debrief with us and the temperatures being it, it was cooler here cooler temperatures high speed corners that's something that looks like really favors the mclaren but by the time we get to somewhere that's, you know, really hot, doesn't have a lot of high speed corners, it's, this is probably not going to be McLaren track and they're probably going to struggle again. Um, but the main thing is, is that they capitalized and took advantage 
when they had the opportunity to. And that's very important, I think, for their fight within the midfield and trying to catch up with Alpine. Uh, Oscar Piastri as well. We can't let him go unnoticed because he's been very impressive rookie. Very impressive. If we say Lando Norris is a natural talent, I'm definitely putting Oscar Piastri in that basket now too. The car is, is very difficult to drive. It is a very hard car to get into a proper balance window, have the confidence and push. And when you're not getting that confidence, it's really hard to extract the lap time. For Oscar Piastri, he's doing that. He's getting in those uncomfortable situations. And trust me, they are very uncomfortable. And he's pushing through it. And he's finding the lap time. And what he else is he's doing is he's pushing Lando Norris. Lando spoke in the post-race press conference about this. And one of the main things that he talked about was just how much Oscar Piastri is making him a better driver, just pushing him so much. Because what happens is when you have two naturally talented drivers, they really push up against each other who are young, remind you. Like, we're not talking like a, an older driver and a rookie. We're talking two young drivers. Lando is young. He's very young. He's not all that experienced. Oscar rookie like he's he's a rookie when you have two young drivers who are pushing each other like that what ends up happening is both of them are learning from each other so they're both sitting down and they're saying oh you know oscar's doing this through here and lando's saying oh maybe i can do that too and oscar's saying oh lando's doing this through here well maybe i can take some of that and that's when you start piecing together almost perfect laps. And that's when you also start getting um, consistent technical feedback. So the engineers are hearing the exact same thing. So they know which direction to take the car in when it comes to developments. And then when you deploy those developments, you want to hope that you've hit a home run with them. And that's exactly what's happening here. Lando had said that Oscar has been pushing him from the beginning of the season. He was on the pace right away. And that's impressive to me because he only had one and a half days of testing. Not even, I think they had, they had a lot of car trouble at some point too. So I, I just want to mention Oscar's performance because he's been, he's been very impressive, um, especially in the big commitment stuff too. He's, he was really, he's really good. Uh, let's talk about uh, George Russell. I mean, he did well and he did, he did well. In the opening stint, showing how strong the soft tire was. I was a little disappointed to see Mercedes's pace in the race. I honestly thought that they were going to be one of the fastest teams. And I wasn't the only one who thought that. Same with Ferrari. I thought Ferrari was going to be stronger too. Um, but Mercedes, Russell. I think one of the things is, again, you know, temperature, but also at the same time, just how competitive the midfield is. One little mistake and you're screwed. And I think George did well in that opening stint. Very strong stint on the soft tire. Did a really nice job of keeping that thing alive. I think he stopped around lap 29 maybe. Like he really, he really had a long first stint on that tire. Longer than I think a lot of other drivers did. But I think that allowed the teams to understand just how fast 
the soft tire could be, just how durable the soft tire could be, and just how long it could have lasted. So just an interesting little point there. Sergio Perez. Another really tough qualifying for Sergio. I mean... You know, it just affects the race, right? It really affects his race. And I wonder, I just... The car really seems to be going away from him. And he keeps falling into these really awkward situations in qualifying. Uh, you know, he's going to have to get out of it. I don't see everyone's going to be like, well, we replace him with Daniel Ricciardo. It doesn't really work like that. I don't really see Sergio Perez being replaced. I mean, I see, you know, I would see Nick DeVries getting re replaced before uh, Sergio Perez. And even that is, you know, that's a tall, tall order. Um, but... I think Red Bull's lucky that they've gotten off to the lead that they have because if, I mean, if Max was under fire from both the Ferraris, both the Mercedes, both the McLarens, both the Aston Martins, and there's no Sergio Perez around to help out, that's I don't that's not going to work. So it's going to be an interesting couple of months, I think, for Sergio Perez, Fernando Alonso. If there are a few more laps, I think. You know, Fernando may have lost P7 to, to Albon or Leclerc. And today, I think for Aston Martin, it was just damage limitation. You know, Fry didn't have a good day either. So, you know, for Aston Martin, it's no sweat. But they need to find out what happened this weekend. Not particularly strong in the high speeds. The car was inconsistent. Um, and it just their car just didn't suit Silverstone. And it didn't suit Austria either. And I think when we look at how this season is going to go along and these cars are going to get, you know, developed, I don't know. Aston Martin's in a bit of a fight here, right? They got to hold on to that third in the championship because these teams are coming. I mean, Mercedes is there getting there now. They're figuring it out. Ferrari's, you know, most of the time figuring it out. They have a Ferrari's got a great one lap car. It's awesome. Um, the race car itself, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, and then strategy kills them a lot of the times. Uh, Lance Stroll getting the five second time penalty for contact with Pierre Gasly. Um, Stroll ended up P14, so really tough weekend all around for Aston Martin as a whole. But I think Hungary may be. A different story, like I said, for this car, this team. I think that's going to be more of a track that really suits suits all of it. Um, and yes, difficult weekend, you know, for Lance. He didn't make it through to Q3 uh, simply because they had used up all the... They'd used three sets of softs in... What was it? Q1, I think it was? Wait, was it Q, Q1? Whenever the... Whenever there was a stoppage, we had a stoppage in qualifying. Oh, I can't think that far back. There's a stoppage in qualifying, regardless. And they had ended up using three sets of softs to get try to get through. And then by the time they got to Q2 and towards the end, uh, just had to use the old tires to try and to try and make it work. Had nothing to do with Esteban Ocon coming down the inside of Lance. Lance was just Lance understood what he was trying to do, but uh, it said it didn't really affect him that much. It was more along the lines of just not having 
uh, just having to try to get through to Q3 on an old set of soft tire compounds. And then in the race, just trying to really, yeah, just trying to really hang on, right? Like Fernando was, because I think if there were a few laps left, I'd, I don't even know if Fernando would have finished in the points, to be honest with you. I think he, even Alex was telling us uh, post-race that, you know, he said, I hope, I wish there were a few more laps because he would have gotten, he, him and Charles both would have gotten by Fernando. And so, yeah, he was, you know, Fernando was also destined to get spit out the back there. Um, Alex Albon. What a drive from Alex Albon. Hey, <laughs> what a drive. Like, that just, the guy's an animal. Just a proper racing driver, man. Like, He's got the best car control I I have ever witnessed. During qualifying, like when it was in the damp, the wet, damp conditions, it looked like he was wrestling a bull. It was incredible. It was awesome. Like he he's just a different guy when that helmet goes on. He just is. I you know. For his race start, he he said, uh, you know, this well. He said at the start, you know, he struggled a bit off off the line um, because there was some cement that was laid down from the the Porsche, whatever it's called, Porsche Cup, Porsche GT Cup, whatever it's called, um, series that was before. And he really struggled off the start. But he said that the safety car came out at the perfect time for him. Um, and he was just like, yeah, I didn't want the race to be any longer because of one more lap. Charles would have gotten him, but... He also said if there were two more laps, he would have gotten Fernando. So <laughs> there you go. He probably would have finished either P7, P8. Um, but regardless, great drive uh, from Alex. Uh, just this team as a whole spent uh, quite a bit of time with them this weekend. Uh, just learning, you know, and, you know, being at their factory. I, I got to have uh, dinner with James Valls, uh, team principal, brand new for team principal for this season at Williams. Done a great job there. Um, I think there was a lot of division within the team when Yost was there and he kind of looks like he's brought this whole, this whole operation back together. I think their challenge next, and this is from, you know, what he had told me, you know, it's, it's what told us, um, changing the infrastructure at the factory is very important for this team and trying to find a way of, getting around a cost cap to inject that money into the facility. And so that's one of the, you know, talking points that he's having with the teams and the FIA because he doesn't want it to eat into the cost cap. But he said he has the money that they can invest into the infrastructure. It's just that when they do that, it's not going to be a, a quick fix. It's a long-term solution that could take a few years and a new simulator they need so much in terms of building and designing. They need more workers. So I think, I think for Williams, if they're able to get some of that act, get some of that stuff uh, granted, then I think you know th this team could eventually start battling for podiums in a few seasons. And they can't let Alex Album go. Like they just cannot. Um, he's just too. He, yeah, he's. He, they need him. They definitely need Alex Albin. And I think one of the things that Alex has done well is he's capitalized 
at tracks where the car has been good. Canada is a perfect example of that was a track that was geared towards their car. But Alex at the same time had to execute uh, and make sure that he was quick. He was able to keep everybody behind him coming out of the hairpin there. Um, but once they get to hungry, I think they're going to, they're going to struggle. They're not going to be getting points there. Being in this dogfight with Haas for uh, seventh in the constructor standings is difficult. And the Haas is really fast in qualifying. And if it could just hold on into race and understand its tires a little bit better, I mean, Haas could be right up there too. But once Williams gets to a track like Spa or Monza, those are good tracks for this car. And... As a team, they need to make sure they're capitalizing on the races where they can have a chance at some points. I think that's that's crucial for this team um, to get to where it wants to go. I mean, this team's been in the back for way too long. So much history, so much heritage. Um, yeah. But the dinner with uh, James Valls is really cool. I got to have uh, I got to have dinner in the uh, Heritage Museum at Williams, and it is it is bonkers. I was talking to Logan Sargent about it, and like even he was saying like that place is amazing, and it is amazing. Uh, Ferrari, Charles Leclerc, P nine, Carlos Sainz, P ten. You know they were worried how they were going to go here in this race. It was going to be a bit of a struggle for them. They thought, and <laughs> sure enough, it was. But I don't, you know, Frederick Vasseur was very frustrated after the race. Um, I think he called their tire uh, strategy was too conservative. He was not, he was not happy. So, so like I said, that strategy department just need to have a look at that. Gotta, gotta get on top of that one. Um, I think, uh, like I'd said, you know, Leclerc almost had Albon. Uh, I just, I love Ferrari, but Oh my God. It has been tough sometimes. Like sometimes they're, it's just to break my heart sometimes. I mean, sometimes they're all the way up at the top and then sometimes they're in the middle and sometimes they're just scrapping to fight for points this season. And I don't understand. Oh, could be a different story in Hungary for Ferrari. We'll just leave it at that. But Ferrari, though, looking, oh my God. Like look behind so many teams. Like who are they behind today? Like, Red Bull, okay. McLaren, come on. Mercedes, Aston Martin. Oh, man. Let's talk about Logan Sargent. Um, great result for Logan. Michael Bauman tweeted, he's on this podcast sometimes. You may know of him. Uh, he tweeted it out after the race. Said that, uh, you know, Logan's 11th place finish. That's the highest by an American since Montreal 2007. That's a great stat. And good for Logan. That was, that, that's one hell of a drive. Um, I thought he had a really good weekend. He was fairly solid, fairly consistent. The, Track limits and qualifying is an, was an issue. And I don't think he thought that he was over over the line, over the boundaries for that. And he was on the radio demanding that the FIA take a look at it. And you know, apparently they did. That he was and lost the uh, lost the lap times, and that's why we ended up qualifying where he did. It wasn't a horrible qualifying. He actually wasn't too bad. 
he's just up against such an awesome teammate right now. Like Alex is incredible right now. He is, he is just on another level. And I think for Logan, that's a good thing. It's a good thing because it's going to push him to get better. And that's the way Logan Sargent works. And I'm really, yeah, I'm excited for Logan coming up because all the tracks he's going to be coming to now, he knows. And I think that's only going to benefit him. Let's take your questions from social media. We will jump over to threads first. You can get me on there at Tim Haraney. From Vlad Solaviv. With Sergio Perez always having to work his way up from the back. He in, in brackets. He does do it though. Close bracket. Is his chance of staying with Red Bull better or worse than being replaced by Danny Rick? Look, I don't think he's getting replaced by Danny Rick anytime soon. They still need to run a tire test with Danny Rick to see if Danny Rick is still Danny Rick. Does that make any sense? They need to see if he's still quick. And they're going to find out more next week. But I still wouldn't see Danny Ricardo coming in there and replacing him. Just wouldn't. Um, if anything, maybe Ricardo would go to go to Alpha Tower, but yeah, I don't don't see that. Uh, Thomas Shea, thirteen. Given the form of the midfield teams over the past few races, who do you think will finish best of the rest come the end of the season? Okay, well, how are we going to determine best of the rest? I'm just trying to think. So, let's say at the moment it is. Instead of a big three, we'll go big four. Obviously, you know who that is. We're going to go... Ooh. We're going to go Red Bull, obviously. Then Mercedes, Aston Martin, Ferrari. And then I'm going to say... McLaren. Now, at the beginning of the, the season, I would have told you McLaren was going to finish in the back. But since they have done such an incredible job, P5 may be in their future. From JRDN Lev. Do you think that the performance we saw from McLaren is sustainable for the rest of the year? No, it's not. I mean, they even said it themselves. They really need to be careful with this. But got to take advantage of the points when you get them. Because that's the most important thing. Uh, will they... I mean, there are going to be some tracks where they're going to be competitive. There's going to be some tracks where they're not going to be competitive. If it's really hot, then they're probably going to struggle. We'll head over to Twitter. You can get me on there, at Tim Haraney. From Josh Cooper, what was it like seeing Zach Brown's celebration live? <laughs> uh, he seemed extremely fired up, like his high fives looked extremely heavy. They were. I could hear that guy celebrating all the way up in the media center. It was awesome. Uh, it's great. Uh, I love seeing Zach celebrate. He's so aggressive. Oh my god, it's awesome. Um, but yeah, Zach was fired up because because I was looking at him from the media center. I could hear him. Uh, I saw him in the paddock. Yeah, he was fired up. It was great. Speed Racer four thirty asks, please comment on the soft tires lasting so long. Seem to impact. Others' uh, strategies. See Ferrari. Yeah, I got a note about the tire compounds before the start of the race, um, and they said about the soft tire that it it's 
it was about six tenths quicker than the medium tire and and a second quicker than the hard tire but the degradation was lower on the soft tire than what was ex expected at the start of the weekend uh, there were some issues that Pirelli had noted that there were some graining that had gotten reported by uh, teams towards the end of the long stints, but an optimal strategy was running the soft, medium, soft. So a two-stopper. Um, that would offer the best performance for the start of the race without the risk of too much tire wear. Uh, and another thing, when we look at like tires... Who had what left? I mean, Verstappen had four used softs and Norris four used softs, Piastri four used softs, Leclerc three used softs, Sainz four used softs, Russell the same, same with Hamilton, same with Albon, same with Alonso, same with Gasly. Uh, Hulkenberg had a new tire, Stroll did as well because he didn't get to transfer into Q3 because they use so many in um, Q1, Q2. Uh, Ocon did. Sargent. Bottas had two. Perez had three uh, because of qualifying again. Sonoda, two. Joe, one. DeVries, two. Magnuson, four. Not so much uh, new soft tires those guys had, but that's essentially how the tire breakdown worked with this new type of compound for this weekend. Michael Sheritz, can I take any radio chatter seriously? These tires are done in quotation marks, then in brackets. Proceeds to drive 12 more laps without losing place or time. Um, I mean, sometimes when the driver reports that on the radio, it's essentially the tires going through a graining phase. And sometimes when the tire goes through the graining phase, you're going to lose that performance and the tires really do feel like they're done. But the, when you push through that graining phase, um, suddenly the tire sometimes picks up performance again. It's a really weird, weird thing. Uh, Ryan beach. He's Lance stroll. One of the top 20 drivers in F1 right now. Yes, he is. Um, I mean, Man, you guys like love crapping on the guy, eh? Holy cow. I, I mean, Ryan, I'm not saying you're crapping on Lance, but I mean, come on. Like, did you guys look at his race lap times compared to Alonzo's? They were, he was lapping within a tenth. It's just, this is really competitive midfield and you can't have any mistakes, but at the same time, you got to fight for every spot you get. So, hey, I'd fight with Gasly and take a five-seconder. No questions asked. Uh, Diana Leifer, Zach's charge through the pit crew was like a battle scene from Game of Thrones. Yes, it was. <laughs> uh, from Parth Lad, has McLaren finally exercised the ghost of Ron Dennis? <laughs> um, well, that's, a, that's a good one. I mean... <laughs> I mean, probably, yes. I think they probably have for quite a while uh, with Zach coming in. But, I mean, if we look back, like McLaren had a good year in 2020. And I would say, if you're going to say anything about exercising any ghosts of of Ron Dennis, I mean, that would be it, wouldn't it? 
I'm pretty think I'm pretty sure it would be. That was one of their most successful seasons they've had in a while. Uh, and they, they weren't too bad last year either, actually. Um, but yeah, anyways, that does it for now. Uh, it is, what time is it here? It is 12.20 in the a.m. on a Monday morning, and I got to catch a flight in a few hours back to Canada. Burning it at both ends, folks. You've been listening to Nailing the Apex. If you want more from me, I'm Tim Haraney. And get me on social media, at Tim Haraney. Get me on threads, at Tim Haraney. If you want more Nailing the Apex, again, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Uh, leave us a review and a rating, a follow. It helps us a lot. It helps us grow the show. Uh, you can watch us on YouTube as well. So please head on over to YouTube. Give us a watch if you like doing that sort of thing. Um, we'll be back later in the week. We've got some IndyCar stuff coming up. We have the Honda Indy Toronto. Uh, that's going to be happening in Toronto. We'll be covering that. We're going to have uh, Simon Paginot on the podcast on Tuesday. So look for that. We're going to do a preview pod with Simon. Uh, other than that, yeah, stay tuned for some really cool content, guys. And uh, thanks very much, everyone, for watching and listening. Really appreciate it. We'll talk to you all later. <laughs>